I choose to protect my peace by not always being on Twitter because, you know, surprisingly, writers have a lot of drama. You, if you are on Twitter, you will find out somebody mad at something. Welcome to Queries, Qualms, and Quirks, the weekly podcast that asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. I am your host, author Sarah Nicholas, and literary agent Sarah N. Fisk. Known affectionately as your family's favorite author, Tunisia T. Moore writes uplifting work for all ages. For young adult readers, her debut book with co-author Lynn Miller Lockman in the Women of Power series, Profiling Women Filmmakers, was announced in November 2020. For adults, she is the author of After the Storm, an inspiring contemporary romance novel of redemption and restoration. T has been published in the Alabama News, Medium, and Reader's Digest, as well as a TEDx talk on motherhood and entrepreneurship. So please welcome T to the show. Hello. Hello there. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about your journey to publication, and we're going to start by going all the way back to the beginning. When did you first start getting interested in the writing? And then how long did it take before you started getting serious about pursuing publication? So I've been writing for as long as I can remember. I'm sure like most authors, we've been writing since we were like knee high. For me, it started with getting my first journal at six years old, writing about like my favorite candies, probably what little boy I had a crush on <laughs> at that time, who didn't know I had a crush on him. You know, all the stuff that six-year-olds concern themselves with. And then from there, it was kind of like one of those things. It was my therapy that I didn't know was my therapy at a young age. And I got an award, I think in like third or fifth grade, writing something on um, MLK, ironically, and received the award in my elementary school. I just recently found their certificate. So I was like, oh my God, I did get an award when I was a kid. Like, I can show this off now. But so I've always been writing something, always been writing, whether it's me journaling, whether it's me writing random essays, it's been literally my saving grace. So by the time I started to get serious about publication, it was probably about 2012-ish. And I had just graduated law school maybe two years prior to that. And so I was at this place in my life where I was just like, what's next? I didn't, I feel like this is, you get an exclusive here. I didn't really <laughs> want to be a lawyer. Okay. Mm. Like, I just thought like, that's what you do, right? Mm. You go to law school, you take the bar and you become a lawyer. And, but there was still something in me that was unsettling. Like I still felt like I was trying to find myself. So I started writing after the storm, really technically in 2012, or at least the outline of it. And I got really excited because it was like the first thing like I really outlined, I really got this story. Mm. Started writing it in 2014 and didn't finish until 2018. Um, <laughs> but for me, I started to get serious when I started having my kids. And I wanted my kids to see me live life and mm -hmm. what that looked like, that my life just didn't stop when I became this mother. It really was the genesis of my purpose, like finding myself. And so I, I always share whenever I talk about anything, like my kids are kind of the birthing place for what got me started, especially having my daughters, wanting them to see their mother like, hey, you could be a mom, but you can also have a life. And so that's when things started to turn and kind of to shift. And so I took the independent route initially into publication with After the Storm, just more of a way to like dip my toes into it. Like, you know, I, f I wrote a book. I finally did it. Yay me. And then I thought it was going to be done. Cause I was just like, I got, <laughs> at that time I had two kids. And so I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good on this. So that's kind of how we really got serious about it. I, I, I blame my kids. So y'all can thank them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How did you learn more about the publishing industry? Like how it works, how to go about it, how to query everything like that? Google is your friend with all things. And so I really am actually kind of standoffish about the publishing industry. Like I've had heard, first of all, I didn't know you could be an author in real life like you know like you read the books by these people but like I didn't know that was like a career like a job that you can do and so coming from a Caribbean background uh, my dad is Jamaican so like that's just not the thing like you doctor lawyer engineer like something like that <laughs> author was not on my bingo card like I didn't know that was a job 
or something I could become. And so when I got serious about, okay, I'm going to now go this route of becoming an author, I got on Google, started like looking up stuff, learning about, you know, the houses and the different agencies. And that wasn't until about I would say 2019 after I had my third child, mm. third and last child. Yeah. We not have no more babies <laughs> over here. We done. We're good. But when I had him, uh, I really started to kind of look around and kind of see what was out there. And for me, eventually I got on Twitter. I had this love hate with Twitter for years. It still exists. Um, but now, but now in a different way, because now I'm pretty connected in the writing community and, and, and know people now, but that's really where things started to kind of shift for me. But yeah, getting on Google, literally how to write a query letter. I mean, it's out there. People have all types of samples out there. Some of them are trash. Like I wouldn't follow them, but yes. you know, teach their own, <laughs> but, you know, getting out there. And that was really how I started. And then once I got my first agent, I started to really build community. And once I really began to build that community around me, it got a little easier in in regards to building out my portfolio and understanding. Like, I remember my first picture book I wrote, I thought it was the best thing yeah. this side of heaven. Like, you couldn't tell me that all 1,200 words did not belong in that book. Because <laughs> um, they, they all belonged in the book. It would make me cry. Even though as I'm reading it out loud and I would read it, I was like, man, it's still going. Like, even I thought it was too long. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, all those words belonged in that book. And with each rejection, I learned that all those words did not belong in that book and that something was not working. We're going to have to figure this thing out. And so the thing about when you make that shift over into traditional publishing, there are rules that do apply. Now, I like to break rules from time to time. But there are some things and there are some crafting elements that I think sometimes you miss out as an independent author who doesn't have a good editor to help you. I'll keep that to myself. But like <laughs> that, you yeah. know, uh, there's there's a whole conversation with that. But there's a lot to be said about having a good person looking over your work and and knowing what's actually in the market. And so. That's really how I learned. I learned trial by error. Like I mm. said, Google was my friend. But then once I got into a community, that was the game changer. Finding my people who I could connect with my squad really helped change the game. And I mean, I'm still a newbie. I'm still a baby in the industry. But I've probably accelerated a little bit more. One, because, again, I have a legal background. So some things come a little easier for me to understand mm -hmm. when it comes to like contracts and like breaking down stuff like that. And then because by trade, I write as an attorney, I listen, if I, if I need to save my life, I could write, I'm going to write my <laughs> way out of it. it. It has saved me on law school exams plenty of times. And it's probably how I passed the bar with there were essays. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, just doing the research and um, I really will say getting back on Twitter at the time that I did um, was also very beneficial for me to mm. learn more about the industry. So then what happened? Can you break down <laughs> for us your journey to signing your first book contract? Oh, gosh. Okay, so all the details. So I connected with my first agent. Um, I'm on my second agent, but I connected with my first agent through a mutual friend of mine, of ours, actually. And it was also around that time when George Floyd mm. was murdered. And so there was a lot of push for diversity all of a sudden. And there was like this call for black voices, um, you know, wanting people wanting to help, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I say blah, 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 because three years <laughs> later, we now see what happens to that call. But anyway, on the side, that's not what we're here for. But um, the, I, I did. I took advantage of the opportunities that were being given out there. It's actually how I met the Black Creators and Kid Lit community mm. when Antoine Edie had put out that tweet. That's kind of how that community got birthed. And that's really where I met a lot of my my friends turned family now. So met my first agent, like I said, through a mutual friend and sent her a couple of picture books that I had written that had some pretty good potential, but just wasn't, still wasn't hitting the mark. And so one of the things 
that I tell people it's a weird Cinderella story, like how I got an agent, even both times, it's not the norm, Mm -hmm. but it's still something that I celebrate and I don't diminish it. I received more than enough rejections. I also knew my bandwidth that I was not going to query for years upon years upon years. That was just not what I was about to do. I'm not, I'm not built for that. Having taken the bar in two different states, for me, I was a one and done Um <laughs> If I had failed the bar, I wasn't taking it again. So the same thought process applied for the querying process. If it wasn't going to shake out in about, I don't know, six months to a year, your girl was going, I was out. But so <laughs> just wasn't going to do it. So. I, I connected with her, the books that I went on submission with, with her, the, I think we went on submission with um, one book picture initially, book. one picture book and all passes on all of them. I did get like an R&R, which is a revise and resubmit. I really do hate those. <laughs> yeah. They're dumb, but they happen. I'm like, you want me to revise a book, pay me to revise a book. I revise it all day long. But anyway, <laughs> that doesn't always happen. So I ended up writing the book that's actually debuting this September from Scholastic called I Am My Ancestors' Wildest Dreams. I wrote that book in about 30 minutes, the first draft. Mm. And and it and when I say it poured out, it poured out. And I wrote it because I was grieving that 2020 was just a boot it's just a trash year, right? Yeah. Like you it first it started with Kobe dying and that's that's when I should have known that the year was gonna go downhill from there. Mm. And then COVID. And then you're finding out like, oh, Ahmaud Aubrey. Well, when did that happen? Then you had Breonna Taylor. And then it was George. It was just like, wait, we're in a mm-hmm. pandemic. How's all this stuff happening? And so it was just a very trying year. And then Chadwick Boseman died. And the grief that hit me, and it was more so because of their age, like they mm-hmm. weren't, both Kobe and Chadwick weren't that much older than me. And it was just putting things into perspective, like you really don't know your your date um, of when you're going to leave. And so it's like, you got to leave it all on the ground, all on the table. Like you can't take it with you. So I'm like, and I remember just grieving and I just like, couldn't shake it. Like you would have thought Chadwick was my first cousin, but the way I was like crying, but it was just like, I just felt, and I just kept hearing this mantra and it's a very common phrase. I am my ancestors wildest dreams. Like, what does that even mean to be your ancestors wildest dreams? And so Wrote that book, sent it to my um, best friend, Ebony, and she was like, oh my gosh, T, this is, this is amazing. I think we made like maybe one change to it. And then we ended up going on submission with that book. I want to say October 2020, sometime in October 2020. Mm. And I, I say within two hours, I had my first a bite from oh, an wow. editor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. <laughs> this, this is, is different. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is not what they say happens. And within a, probably within the, the next day or so, we had another bite from another editor. And then the rest were turned into passes. And that was down to this these two editors, one at Simon & Schuster, one at Scholastic. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh, what is happening? So I ended up going with the editor over at Scholastic, who I just, I simply adore my editor there. And the book was sold by November. Matter of mm-hmm. fact, before the election, I had accepted the, the offer from Scholastic. It was really crazy because it's like, this doesn't happen. Like, this is not what happens to people. Like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. And so for, for a while, I, I felt a little, a little bad, a little weird, you know, kind of like, oh, what about other people? Like, you don't want to kind of post back. Because you see people like, I'm so honored to say I've signed with so-and-so. Or I'm mm-hmm. so happy to share my announcement. And I realized, like, my story may not be the norm, but I still get to celebrate my joy. And I get to celebrate this goodness because this won't always happen. I won't always get a yes that fast. It won't always be that way. Um, the rejections still come. They still bother me. But I'm going to celebrate the yeses that do come, and I'm not going to worry about the time limit in which it takes. I remember signing my book deal, and I remember just thinking, like, I told one of my other best friends that I signed with Scholastic, and she was like, Scholastic? Like, like because it's, it's I mean, you grow up in this, the Scholastic book fair, and I get to mm-hmm. do this with my kids. Like, I volunteer when the book fair comes in because it's just, like, it takes me back to my childhood. I'm just like, this still expensive. <laughs> still 
still cost five dollars for these pencils. Um, you know, but yeah, so it was man, it was great. But I ended up having to leave two manuscripts, almost three. I say two and a half. The the one story that I initially started with, the one I said was twelve hundred words. Mm. It's shortened and it's changed formats. But I haven't let that story go because that one is about my son and it's very near and dear to my heart. So mm -hmm. I have not let that particular manuscript go. The other one that that I had queried with initially, I did part ways kind of with those. And they're, I won't say they're forever gone. They're just on pause for right now. Mm -hmm. I always believe that you can come back to, it's, it's art, right? So you can always come back to that piece. You can always change it. You can always modify it. it, it you know, something might come. But right now, the priority is not those. And so those are sitting shelved away. And I look at them from time to time. And I'm just like, I wonder if I could do something with this story. Like, you know, is it time yet? It's been exciting. But I tell you what, when I get a rejection now, or when we go on submission, I, I always joke around with my girlfriend. And we'll like, I like, why haven't why has anyone like said anything? Like it's been two hours. No one's called me and said anything. <laughs> yeah. Like how how do they know? And but you know, but the reality is is that that's not norm. And mm -hmm. so when I go on submission now, I go find something else to do. Like yeah. I don't have the expectation that I'm going to get something back within a month or two months. Like agents and editors, they're busy. Y'all are busy, busy. Like <laughs> you know, it's been a a wonderful ride thus far to walk into a two book deal that was a deal with Scholastic and get that in like two weeks. So that yeah. so to to sign with an agent within like a month's time. And and again, that one was I had a mutual friend, but the, my first agent could have said no when she read my work too. So mm -hmm. I also do not take away from that because I know that my talent is what got me in the door and I know that I belong in the space that I'm in. It's not luck. It's not anything. Yes, I'm blessed. But what I'm blessed with is I'm blessed with the talent that has been given to me. And so that's the gift that I share. So, but it's, it's been, it's been a journey, friend. It's been yeah. a journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's important because a lot of people think that referrals are like this kind of just, you know, get in free pass. And it's mm -hmm. not because an agent, even if they have a referral from someone they know really well, someone they trust, if they don't think they can sell the book, they're not going to sign the client even Correct. with a referral. Yeah. Correct. It doesn't work that way. Like it's, it doesn't mm -hmm. like my agent now, Jim, like we are work very close. When I queried her, she gave me, she gave me an R and R. That was so mad. She gave me like, how dare you give me your friend an R and R. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. But I, mean, I did it, but I, I was, I was highly offended. Like, <laughs> she would have the nerve of her to give you R and R. But I mean, but again, that's the strength of our friendship, though. Too, like, it mattered that much more to her that mm. she is able to represent my interests well and be the person because. She has to be my agent. She now has to be my partner in publishing. It's a different wheelhouse than her being my girlfriend that I get to mm -hmm. shoot the shit. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to cuss. Um, <laughs> with the breeze with, um, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, there's there's business. And, like, I'm entrusting her to be a bookseller for me and sell books on my behalf and other subrights for my behalf. Then I she needs to make sure she can do that in an unbiased way. Mm -hmm. So, her R&R her R &R was appreciated because it, I mean, it helped, I guess. I mean, whatever. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, but like you said, referrals, they're not, they're not this get in free card. They're not like it automatic. I put referrals out there and I let my friends know that I don't know mm -hmm. what's going to happen with that. I can vouch all day long and say your work is phenomenal. It's great. It's all this. But at the end of the day, I'm not an agent. I'm not building a list. I don't know the market enough to, you know, that's that's what y'all getting this 15% for. Like, that's for y'all to figure out what markets are, what's hot, what's selling. I just write books. Because the moment I have to step in and put on my attorney hat <laughs> and I have to um, help you negotiate my contracts or do anything like that, 
that's when I know that we don't need to work together because I, I'm now having to put on extra hats that I don't I don't want to wear. I just want to be a creative in this space. So yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, referrals uh, they're good. They can move <laughs> you up a little bit, but they are not. They're not. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I guarantee you. Yeah. For sure. All right. It is time for the first cue of the podcast. Can you read your successful query letter for us? I can, I can, I can. Okay, y'all don't, y'all don't laugh. So, dear Miss Blank Blank, or you could say, dear Miss Chambers Black, I am seeking representation for Blank Title, a woman's upmarket fiction with heavy romantic elements, and it's complete at ninety-three thousand sixty-eight words. This manuscript is reminiscent of Black romance novels from the mid to late nineties, but remixed with a millennial flair. It's ideal for audience who enjoy the works of Terry McMillan, Eric Jerome Dickey, and Issa Rae. It also may be great for fans of the movie Girls Trip. Ava A.J. Kincaid is a boss, Queen B, head Black girl magic in charge, but A.J. has very little control over her love life. As she waits for news of a possible career change and promotion at one of Atlanta's fastest-growing aerodefense firms, she must first come to terms with divorcing her former NFL husband. Devastated, AJ's fierce femme crew hatches a plan, and it turns out an impromptu trip to Las Vegas is a perfect distraction. A chance meeting with a handsome stranger causes AJ's heart to skip a beat, but AJ can't get caught up with her feelings. She's no fan of fairy tales. After all, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas until it doesn't. Blank of the Tile is a story about a woman navigating life after divorce, and with the help of her best friends, relinquishing control, and healing from the past in order to make room for true love. I was previously represented by Jackie Lipton at Raven Quill Literary. While there, I received a book deal with the Chicago Review Press to co-author a book within their Women of Power series on contemporary women film directors. Additionally, I have an unannounced two-book picture book deal with Scholastic, which is obviously now announced. <laughs> uh, in addition to releasing my debut indie novel, After the Storm in 2018, I also published an essay for AL.com about how becoming a mother reignited my childhood writing dream. And I had the honor of presenting a TEDx talk for Alabama A&M University. Lastly, I'm a member of Black Kids and Kid Lit, serving as admin and legal romance writers of America, Sweetie, and the Authors Guild. As requested, I have placed in the body of this email the first chapter of the manuscript. I hope that you look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yes. So how has your experience been since signing that first contract? You talked about it a little bit, you know, because you got that first contract quite quickly. Um, yeah. Especially let us know what surprised you along the way. Oh, gosh. I didn't expect to break up with my first agent at all after signing my first um, book deal. And so that was, I would say it was painful. I'm a pretty relational person. I It's kind of like, you know, even as a married person now, like I didn't go into my marriage like, hey, I'm going to divorce you one day. So <laughs> hang tight. Like you just, you don't walk into relationships like that. And I felt for me, I know every agent style is different and things of that. But for me, I needed a relational agent because I figured if you're taking some of my money, we need to know each other. We're going to have to, we're going to have to get to know each other a little bit better. Cause I need to make sure that you, you did. And so we had that relationship, but once the relationship ended, things shifted. I had considered her not only a colleague because we're both legal professionals, but, you know, I had considered her a friend because I had, you know, she knew my kids, I knew her kids and, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. And so it, in my mind, it was just business. I just needed someone that I felt could carry me a little further in my author career and I really, I really did desire to have a black agent, a black woman agent at that, because it's something about being able to work alongside somebody who understands you, understands your culture, 
And so with the the novel, the, the one that put the query letter that wrote that particular adult novel, the novel is, is blackity black. The characters are, these professional women are authentically themselves. There is things that are just cultural references um, or sayings that they will say when they're together that I don't have to explain to her. I just, I just don't, because she understands it. That was important to me, to, to connect with someone that got me just as another fellow Black woman or Black person, period. And so breaking up and, and, and doing it in the way that I did, I picked up the phone, I set a meeting instead of sending an email because I thought the strength of our relationship was one that was like, you know, I'm going to call you. We're going to have a conversation about it. I don't really want no bad blood. I just think that I need to go in a different direction when it comes to my career. So, and we still have to connect. We still have to talk because, you know, when you get an agent and that agent sells your work, they are entitled to commissions for the life of the project. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to talk (laughs) because I need to make sure I get my checks, Uh, my royalty (laughs) checks whenever they decide to come. So, you know, but that's part of the business, you know, and I think hindsight's 2020, you don't know what you don't know until you know, like they say. And so mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what I needed in an agent until I got into a, an agent author relationship. And I think that's something that new authors or, or people who are querying need to understand, like have your idea, but start to take away that, that adage of this is my dream agent. Maybe there's no dream agent. You, you want a person that can work for you. You need to know what works for you and what you're looking for, but they're a person. They're, they're, they're going to fall short. They're not going to meet every single expectation that you may have set in your mind. Like you're going to have to come back down to, to a realistic term because the moment that dream agent disappoints you and they fall off that pedestal and you realize their humanity, it's a game changer. Right. So you just need to kind of know, like, what are the non-negotiables? What is it that you're really seeking in this partnership? with your agent. And so that was something I had to do for myself after one, making the decision to leave my agent. And it took, it, it was not an overnight decision. It took mm-hmm. me, it took a few months for me to get to that decision of, okay, I'm going to go. Listen, cause the query, query trenches is ghetto. I don't, <laughs> I don't care what nobody says. I don't, I don't want to be in them. And so I didn't want to go back into them <laughs> again. And then also I was now entering, going back to this fear of my adult novel. A novel, mm. and I and I'm a novelist. I love writing novels. It's I love reading romance novels. It's my thing. I write picture books because I have my kids, and I wanted to see more re- representation in the market for my children, and also for children to come, you know, are in their age group. But I was nervous about putting that work out there, putting this this novel out here. Um, that is, I love this story so much, but um out into the world, out into the spaces and not knowing how it would be received. Would I get an agent? And it would have been very easy for me to submit picture books because by now my picture book writing has like, like you know, it's, it's a lot better. It's given what it needs <laughs> to give, when it needs to give it. Um, and so I could have submitted, you know, and, you know, I had a little cushion because I had a two book deal, you know, offer from Scholastic and I, you know, I had the deal from Chicago Review Press. That was scary. Like I said, I didn't I didn't anticipate leaving my my first agent and then like I said, Jim I queried a whole bunch of other people, but in my heart I wanted Jim to be my agent. Like I knew she was my person. Even if she didn't realize she was my person, she was my person. Um so I, I so I know I just probably semi contradicted myself. But um, <laughs> I just knew like I would love to work with her but also when I first initially started querying it's funny how life comes back to you full circle and you really can speak words to I don't like saying the word manifest because it's kind of played out but you really can speak life into how you want your actual life to live and so I had queried Andrea Brown literary agency before and I knew I wanted to be at, you know, it's ABLA. Who don't want to be at ABLA? Um, and so I was like, you know, but I didn't think at some point I would circle back around and end up there at ABLA. And so I had a, I had a moment in June of 21 where I just broke down crying. 
I had got my R&R from Jim. I had mm-hmm. gotten probably three or four rejections that were coming in from Kids Pit. And I don't even know how many. I have to go back into grave trackers to see how many uh, managers, how many people I queried. But they was coming hot and heavy, hot and heavy. And then she hit me with that R&R. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? Why? And so for a moment, I had to think maybe I should just go back. Maybe it was a mistake to leave. And I mean, you, you go through this, this thing of you like doubt and fear. And so for the month of June, I stayed off of Twitter, all social media, actually. And I focused on my, my portfolio and it was not easy. And I'll never forget watching. Actually, I wasn't watching. My mom was watching the Tamron Hill Hall show. This author, this new author came on there. She wrote the book. Oh my gosh. Is it called Flight? I think it's called Flay. I think it was mm-hmm. like TJ something. But anyway, she was on there. She had had like 41 rejections, right? And my mom like re- like rewinds. So she loves rewind shows. Like she she's my mom is that person. Like she will be like, come here, T, come come see this real quick. <laughs> She'll pause it, rewind it, so I can see whatever it is she wants to show me. And she did that, but I needed her to do that at that time. And so this woman is on there, and she's sharing her story. First of all, she's different. She didn't have none of her books up behind her because, you know, authors like to have their books behind mm-hmm. them that they got coming out. She had not one. And she was sharing her her story. And because she had got a seven-figure book deal, okay, in addition to a seven-figure movie deal, that's what I said. I said, oh, okay, that's beautiful. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Now, now, I'm telling you, that's, that's not the norm either. But the book is actually really good. I did read it. Um, and it, it was phenomenal. I see why I got a movie deal. And so I'm listening to her story. This woman who w- was a flight attendant who wrote this book on the plane when she would be, you know, sitting down, not tending to the to the people on the plane. And, you know, and she submitted it looking for agents. 40, I think she said it was like 41 rejections. She received the 42nd one she got. And got an agent and it was the story that I needed to hear to keep going. It was, okay, I can get back on my horse. I can do this. We, we could try this again. And it's just an R&R. She's not saying your work is trash. And it was a craft issue, right? Like, we, And sometimes we have to separate ourselves from the notes and mm-hmm. see like what actually is the issue. Is the story an issue and it's not working? Because publishing is subjective. Art is subjective, period. I've seen illustrators work that have come over and I've been like, no, I don't like that. It's not not what I would like. Somebody mm-hmm. else likes it. I don't like it. <laughs> it's with anything. You read a movie, you hear music, whatever the case may be. You get to be subjective. It's just not for me. It's the past, right? Cool. But when the notes come back and they're talking about pacing or they're talking about, and my issue was pacing. That was the biggest issue. That's a craft issue. Mm-hmm. It's also a fixable issue that can be fixed and can be worked. And so that means I need to fix the craft. And that's when I got back into like taking like some courses and, you know, really leaning on people to kind of connect with them on like, okay, how do I fix this pacing issue? What does this mean? What needs to be sped up? What needs to be slowed down? And so I think another thing learning on this journey, like after signing this first contract is I'm forever a student. Mm-hmm. I could become the, the Tony Morrison's or, you know, the Kwame. Like, it doesn't matter. I still have to be a student of the craft. I still have to be able to learn something new or, you know, what's the style that I'm really going for? What, is, what am I digging into? And so once I was able to kind of separate myself after I stopped crying, I went ahead and got back on my horse, started revising and I submitted again to Jim in September of 21. And <laughs> matter of fact, I never forget, I had saw that she signed somebody new and I got mad. And so I like to touch her. <laughs> I got mad. I was like, how dare you sign another person? I was like, what are you, what are you doing over there? How dare you be out here signing clients? Rude. <laughs> <laughs> And so I sent her my packet and it was probably like a few hours later. She like texted me and was like, hey, um, you know, we should talk. And I was like, oh, is this, is this happening? Is this, <laughs> is, 
is we doing this? Are we doing this? And so that was really exciting. Nice. Because I knew I earned it. And that was like the best feeling for me was like, I earned that. I, I went in, I dug deeper into my work and I earned my position, you know, to be able to be like, okay, I'm finally here. And so that has been exciting. And so, you know, since then I've signed a three book deal with Raycraft. Um, my editor also happens to be a, an amazing friend of mine, Winsome Bingham and that's that she's a she's her own superstar at this point. I don't <laughs> Winston just out here just writing books and selling the life. <laughs> and so but getting to work under her and bringing forth the Micah Hudson series, which is a chapter book series, and following this this cute little boy and showcasing my Jamaican heritage in those in those pages. And then recently announced the book deal another book deal with Scholastic for a picture book called Wash Day that uh, Raisa Figueroa will be illustrating. So I'm like super, super excited that she is like agreed to like, you know, tell her side of the story with her beautiful art. So I'm excited about that. And I am still, still working on this damn novel (laughs) and still getting it together, getting it cleaned up, making it become something. And I think something that your audience to know is like, take your time with your work. Like, sit with it, make it the best you can make it. Like, because it, it, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. But, you know, I believe that once it's done, it, it's going to be so worth it. Yeah. All right. Cool. It is time for author DNA. It's a quick round. Are you a pantser or a plotter? I'm a pantser. Do you tend to be an overwriter or an underwriter? Overwriter. Do you prefer to write in the morning or at night? Night. When you start with a new project, do you typically start with character, plot, concept, or something else first? It's a mixture of plot and concept. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Coffee's disgusting. Okay. (laughs) When writing, do you prefer silence or some kind of sound? It depends. Either silence or put psych on in the background. Hmm, Cool. When it comes to the first draft, are you more of a get it down kind of person or a get it right kind of person? I have become a get it down. What tools or software do you use to draft? Scrivener or Microsoft. Do you prefer drafting or revising more? Neither one. (laughs) (laughs) Revising. Do you write in sequential order or do you hop around? Oh, sequential order. And final quick round question. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? Can't you tell? I'm an extrovert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. People fake yeah. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I, I people enough and then I have to recharge. So I might be more of an introvert, I guess, by true definition, because people drain me because I give so much of my mm. high energy and then I have to like recharge and reset. Now we're going to talk about the second cue of the podcast. What were some of the worries that you had on your journey? And do you feel like they were realized or you overcame them or, you know, how did that shake out? I think what I'm still working through is imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. It's not as easy to shake off. It's getting better. Therapy is my friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And kind of unpacking some of that trauma that's been internalized. But having to remind myself that, and my girlfriend Ebony says it's the best. She says, my art is the prize. Mm -hmm. And so having to remind myself that I do belong. Scholastic is just not buying books for the for the hell of it. They're not just <laughs> like, sure, you can have a book deal. Sounds great. And I earned it. I earned it. And the reality is I am a good writer. Even if I wasn't writing books for the masses, I know that I can write. I've seen it. The grades in school proved it. I, I proved it. Like I've I've done it. And so having to remind myself I belong and I'm enough. There are times when publishing disappoints me a lot, but, (laughs) um, and so I choose to protect my peace by not always being on Twitter because, you know, surprisingly writers have a lot of drama. You, if you are on, (laughs) you will find out somebody mad at something. Like recently I saw something going around, you know, talking to authors about expectations when it comes to their agents and stuff like that. And I had to decide on 
did I want to, what did I want to dance in that party or did I want to just leave it alone? Yeah. But I, you know, because I didn't want to entertain it. You know, as a small business owner myself, when I see sometimes the entitlement of authors in the industry, in the space, whether they're new or are established, it's, it's a little bit problematic mm-hmm. um, because it sets newbies up for failure, like expecting an agent to turn a, a novel around in a month is unrealistic. Um, and so, but also trying not to worry about that either, taking on the negative external forces around me and not putting that on because that feeds that imposter syndrome it makes me worry it makes me be like oh maybe mm-hmm. my book won't or oh my maybe my book won't be in barnes and noble because they're not barnes and noble's doing this and that and it's like well actually they've been doing this all this time it's not new it's just yeah. that you just realize that they've been doing it all this time and if you think about it hardcover books are expensive i myself prefer a good old paperback because <laughs> you know five dollars is five dollars saved yeah. <laughs> you know like you know so having to really watch my imposter syndrome because it gets fed a lot by external stuff you know as a as a black creator oh the, the industry is doing this and it's mm-hmm. just like but that's not my experience but yeah. then you begin to think it is my experience or it could become my experience because that's what that person experienced not knowing the full story of the other person in that regard, I'm I'm always thankful though for my education in regards when I say my education as a as an attorney, we're taught to not marry one side of the story. Mm. So I can't go off knee jerk reactions. Yeah. By training, you know, because Yeah, especially so yeah. if you're getting like most of it from Twitter because so many people on Twitter misrepresent things or overblow things yes. or don't present all the information, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which yeah, is yeah. true everywhere, but especially in the publishing industry. Especially on hashtag writing community Twitter. Yes. <laughs> and your imposter syndrome will will get fed. And so I had to really watch that. So that was definitely a worry of mine or, or is a concern of mine as I go through this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like I said, constantly reminding myself that I am enough. And a no is not a personal attack on me. It doesn't yeah. mean that I'm not a creative. It doesn't mean that I, I didn't make good work. It wasn't good for that person for whatever reason. All right. Now it's time for the third cue. I call it the fun cue. Do you have any <laughs> writing quirks? Is there anything about your writing process that you think is kind of different or interesting or unique? I love to watch Psych. Um, yeah, you mentioned that. That's funny. I used to watch Law and Order when I was writing. <laughs> really? Like, oh, see, that's, see, that's heavy. Now, that's some heavy stuff in the room. Yeah. Now, Psych. Well, that was before we had streaming, too. And so that it was oh, just always on, you know? <laughs> that's right. Because it used to come on USA all the time. Yeah. But yeah, like, I watched I watched Psych. I've seen literally every episode and the movies. Huge, 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 huge fan of Psych. And so I will watch it in the background because it's not distracting. Although when I do watch it and if I do see something, I will laugh like it's the first time I've seen it. <laughs> but I've I've been watching them for a long time. But that's something when I'm really need to get into my zone, I'm putting psych on. Like that's great. I love it. And I reward myself with cheesecake from Publix. Oh nice. <laughs> when you were in the lowest parts of your journey, whatever that was for you, what kept mm-hmm. you going and why did you stick to it? Oh gosh. Oh, that's a good question, Sarah. Okay. (laughs) So when I was in that part where, like I said, watching that woman, I can't remember her name. I hate that I don't remember her name. But that was a pretty low moment, being back in the Aquarius trenches and, like, having to be there again and, you know, getting – when you experience stuff so fast and then, like, then you get hit with real life, you're like, wait a minute, rude, trying to remind myself, like, well, I did it before. I could do it again. And I think what kept me going for me was I just deep down, I just see my life differently. Mm. I just see more for myself. And so it, it would have been very easy just to give up and go look for a nine to five and just go back to doing the same old, same old. But at this point, a nine to five, the idea of it makes me itch. So mm. it just would not work out. And so, and I got a taste of it. I got a taste. And so I was like, it's going to last in life, you girl. Like, they bought a book from you. And so when you get a taste of it, it's like, how do you go back? 
Mm-hmm. How do you how do you go back to before that? Like, and it would have been easy to do that. And so I think for me, one of the things that was very instrumental for me that has always been instrumental is my faith. Like, I I love Jesus. We we are friends. We we roll tight. Leaning in on my faith, reminding myself of what the scripture says and you know being reminded that hey like you know all things work together for the good of those who love him and call according to his purpose it doesn't mean that things are going to be pretty it doesn't mean that life is going to be great one thing i love in the bible i like to interpret the bible so you know when he's talking he was like hey hey hey, don't worry about it but one thing i can assure you that you will have is trouble it's gonna come (laughs) life is gonna life and so (laughs) but that's part of the process and i think having to remind myself having having an amazing support system of writer friends who get it who knows what it's like when we can't write because we're having life is happening to us and you can't tap into your career like it's not so simple um and you're an author you know you have a moment of slump and people like just write just go mm-hmm. write just, i can't like it's literally like i've been a writer's block at this point it's just my creative juices are not flowing it's just not there um, but having a support system to rally me on, to cheer me on, and to remind me, you know, hey, like, you got this, you can do this, was instrumental. And then those three kids of mine, what is it that I want them to see? What is it, you know, if I'm going to walk away from this, am I walking away from it because it's just really not working? It's just not what it's meant to be? Or is it... I need to go through the process and I need to go through through this valley because there'll be more valleys, there'll be more hills and all this stuff, but it's part of the journey. Rejection is part of the journey. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is what it is. It's part for the course. And how do you navigate through that, through that low? And so once I realized like, no, I really believe that I'm, I'm meant to write. I'm meant to be in this industry. I'm meant to lend my talents and give my gifts. Like, it's not about me. It's about touching these readers who are going to read whether it's a romance novel, a chapter book or a picture book that I put out there, that is for them. This is my gift to them. That also kept me going for it. But yeah, definitely those kids, they, they want a lot of stuff there. They want to do a lot of stuff. They want all the toys they see on Nick Jr. And I just, you know, who going to buy it for them? I got I to gotta write these books. <laughs> Can you share with listeners one of the most important lessons that you learned on your journey to publication? I would say one of the most important lessons lesson first of all is patience publishing is a um hurry up and wait Mm. hands down when you get the agent celebrate that but also when you go on submission celebrate that part Mm -hmm. when you get a rejection from an editor on submission celebrate that part um so celebrating every step of the way and also getting an agent is really just half it's not even half the battle. It's like maybe a third. Like, cause once you get an agent, then it's the agent now has to get out there and they're getting those projections on your behalf. And you might not sell a book. Mm-hmm. It might be a year and maybe a year and a half, two years before you sell your first book. And it doesn't mean your, your art is bad. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means it's just not selling. It's just part of, the, part of it. And so is there some comfort in having an agent? Yes, but it also depends on the agency that you're at, like if they're kind of corporate like or if they're more, you know, familial and relational and they can kind of work with you and stuff like that. But having patience is going to serve you well and realizing that don't nobody owe you a damn thing. You not owed an agent, you not owed a book deal, you not owed nothing, don't care who you are, what you do, you 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 earn it. You work for it. Celebrate. Like you don't have to I think I, I get tired of seeing people like I don't want to see the stories about people who you didn't you didn't wear an Aquarius twenties for ten twenty. I don't want to be for twenty years. I'm okay with that. I mean, God bless you. That's what you want to do. But I personally don't. And you don't have to listen to everybody's negative story about publishing. Um, it's just kind of like when when I was pregnant. I don't want to hear anybody's story about their horror stories about their pregnancy. <laughs> I don't. And I don't share mine. Unless somebody asks me, because everyone's experience is different. I've had negative stuff happen to me in the industry. It hasn't been mind blowing, like oh my god, but it's been it's been annoying. I've had a book that was passed on because they said, "Oh, we have too many books of hair in the industry." I'm sorry, mm. you got too many black hair books. I, I can count how many you got, and they're on my bookshelf. I mean, black hair care books you got, like, but I can tell you, 
there are a plethora of books on trees <laughs> and, and dogs. There's never enough of those. So, you know, so that was that was annoying. That was that was yeah, like that was a slap in the face. But it's par for the course. And so having patience, remembering that to not be an entitled person. We're all professionals or we should be acting like we're professionals. It's a job. Like this is if you wanted this to be your career, you you need to come to the table like you want it to be. And work on your craft forever be a student. Never ever stop learning. Like continue to learn, continue to grow and get better at your craft and and go from there. All right, great. T before you go, can you for listeners who may be interested in checking out your work, can you tell us about what is upcoming for you? Yes. So as I mentioned, um, this September, September 19th, I am my ancestors. Wildest dreams is coming out. It is a book that pays tribute and memorializes contemporary black men such as Nipsey Hussle, Chadwick Boseman, Kobe Bryant, and even some oldies but goodies like Thurgood Marshall, Ralph Ellison. And just, it's my love letter to young black boys everywhere, letting them know that they stand on the shoulders of these giants that have gone before them and laid a path, letting them know that they are loved, that no matter what they put their mind to, they can accomplish any and everything, and they are destined for greatness. And so that is coming out from Scholastic. So that is available for pre-order. Wink, wink. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also um, the companion title to that book follow-up will be I Am Black Girl Magic coming out in the fall of 24. So mm. those are the books, but the I Am My Answers to Wildest Dream drops this fall. Cool. Right before my birthday. Yes. See, a nice birthday gift for you. <laughs> All right, girl. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with everyone. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Corey's Qualms and Quirks. You can find the text of T's Corey in the show notes, along with links to find out more about her and her books. If you enjoyed the show, I'd appreciate if you'd help me find new listeners by leaving a review, telling your friends, or sharing this episode on social media. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash Nicholas. That's Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H. And if you're a published author interested in being a guest on the show, please click in the home base link on the description or go to sarahnicholas.com and click on the podcast logo in the sidebar. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.